This month's guest for Let's Talk In Depth is Jack Simons. In September of 2021, Jack raised more than a quarter of a million dollars for two causes that he's very passionate about, supporting people who are living with eating disorders and depression. It was a huge feat and physically one of the most difficult things that he's ever done. Another thing that made Jack swim across the English Channel such a monumental achievement was the fact that he doesn't describe himself as a swimmer. In fact, he'd done very little open water swimming before he decided to swim from one country to another. I'm not a swimmer, or at least I, I wasn't a swimmer. Um, living in the UK, I think, you know, was the first kind of exposure that I had to knowing that the English Channel even really existed, to be honest. Um, and then the idea for the actual swim <laughs> didn't come from necessarily wanting to do a big swim it more came from wanting to do something to raise a bit of money and a bit of awareness for mental health and that's kind of how the idea for the swim came about my whole mentality was like if i if i can do it then i'd be super super stoked and i i don't really care about getting across it x amount of time and i think that you know 99.999 percent of people don't know what a good time to swim the english channel is so i was pretty happy just to get across and that was my goal. I, I genuinely did not care at all. But it was, in the end, uh, 13 hours and 35 minutes, which um, you'll have to take my word for a bit, is, is respectable time. Not that, rapid, but respectable. But, I mean, as somebody who has done a bit of ocean swimming, swimming for 13 hours, just that seems like a monumental task. That's phenomenal. It wasn't an easy thing. It wasn't an easy swim, and I, I was very relieved when it was over. Um, but, yeah, look, it was, it was the longest I had ever swum for by a massive margin um, and it does t start to take its toll um, after a few hours only. So it was, look, it is, it's a tough thing, but I'm just super glad that, that it, it went the way it did in the end. Are you allowed to stop and tread water for a bit? Not really. So like the rules kind of, there's a channel swimming association um, and the rules kind of state that you, you can't, you have to be making forward progress at all time in some way. Um, you stop every so often, roughly every half an hour to drink at what they call a feed, which is like some sort of carbohydrate drink that different types of carbohydrates that they rotate. And that kind of keeps you going, stops you getting pneumonia. Um, but I know no treading water, just quick feeds every half an hour. Okay. It's, all right. Well, that, look, it sounds like it was a, uh, a, a very taxing kind of a thing to do. What on earth did you do it for? <laughs> Good question. Um, so to be honest, like the started as mental health as a broad, broad topic, um, which has kind of affected my life in, in various ways, um, particularly in my, my early life when I was kind of from the ages of say 14 to 22, and I'm now 26. I did it basically to raise awareness and to raise money for, for mental health and to the two, the two causes that have kind of been part of my life have been depression and eating disorders. Um, I guess depression kind of splits into depression and anxiety um, and eating disorders uh, is a very broad term. But those are kind of the two areas that I, I care about because they've affected me um, and my family, I should say. Um, so, so that's why I did it. And more specifically, you know, when I was 14, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Um, and then when I was around 16, my younger sister, Sammy, was uh, diagnosed with um, an eating disorder. And so as a family, we, we've dealt with a number of kind of challenges in that space and I think, you know, after I moved to the UK, I had some time to reflect on my own journey. That's why I decided to do it. So tell us about your sister's experience. You, you chose to give the money to an eating disorder charity. So I split, I split the actually, I did split the money 50-50 between um, the Butterfly Foundation and the Black Dog Institute to reflect kind of my own, to reflect those two pillars that I was talking about. Um, and why I chose, you know, Butterfly and 
to be honest, is because I spoke to Sammy about the swim um, to tell her that I was doing it. And I asked first, like, you know, obviously, was she comfortable with it? The idea that, you know, it would be some, it wouldn't be, I didn't want it to be front page news, but it would, we would have to tell people that, you know, I was doing it for these reasons. And part of that would be like, you know, her experiences and my experiences as, as a sibling of it. I decided to go with Butterfly specifically because um, I asked Sammy for her advice on which, which organizations she respects. And to me, like, if somebody who's who's been through that says that to you, then that means more than anything that you can read online. And, and so that was that was a the decision there. And I think on the depression side, um, Black Dog Institute is just an unbelievable organization. And I met the the founder Peter Joseph over lunch, and he told me his own story of uh, losing his son to suicide. Um, and it was so unbelievably moving to hear that at that lunch and I just it I knew straight away with in both instances that those were the two organizations that I would support uh, and I never ever ever looked back so that was how I came to the the organizations yeah I mean having that experience in the family even if it's not directly your own experience yes a huge thing as well so tell us how did your sisters how did your sister's eating disorder affect you and, and your family's life such a you know hard question to to answer and i guess i've never really answered it to be honest like so directly i've never been i guess i've never even been asked it directly like that but take your time there's no yeah i think you know i i think in the the short answer is is deeply right like it it affects you really deeply and and in many ways um we also as a family did the maudsley program which is a family-based therapy for eating disorders which basically means that uh, each fa- the entire immediate family is involved in therapy so you attend like weekly sessions um, and so we were for me personally and for my brother as well max like we w- were kind of probably more involved than maybe we even wanted to be if that if that's fair to say because it can be quite hard to be be in those environments um, so i think like practically speaking it affected us in the sense that we were often talking about it and trying to solve it as a family with with therapists and and medical professionals that's kind of the practical side and then obviously emotionally it's very hard on in a number of ways i think in one sense watching someone that you care about so much you know go through such a difficult time is very hard and then there's also like to be perfectly honest at times you just get frustrated because you want someone you want them to get better you 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 can love somebody right but at times you, you can become impatient because you want like you just think like oh god like this is so hard and you you want them to get better and it can be emotionally taxing and that in, absolutely that makes sense absolutely yeah. yeah totally understand and and one thing i think a lot of our audience and we've got a very big audience uh yeah. mostly people who have experience with eating disorders yeah but we know that eating disorders hardly ever exist on their own and we know anxiety yeah. and depression are very common comorbidities or co-occurring conditions can you tell us about your experience and i guess it didn't lead you to an eating disorder but how did anxiety and depression affect you for me personally i was uh when i was 14 i went to a a boarding school for a year and that was when i kind of first i would say that was my first experience with depression and anxiety and it was i was actually reading my i I kept a journal that year it's the only year in my life that i ever kept a journal i was i was 14 um at this boarding school and I was reading through these old journal entries um, and I actually came across the, the journal entry from the day that they, I was taken actually to a doctor at the, from the school and the doctor said, you know, I think you have anxiety and depression. Um, and I was 14. I went home and wrote a journal entry about it. And it was quite a sad journal entry because, you know, it was me at 14 saying, you know, doctor told me today that I, I had depression. And it's funny, I never thought of it that way, but I kind of understand. 
I wasn't like angry or anything. I just said like I, I kind of see the signs. I, I understand. And it was kind of sad reading that back, you know, now and when from when you're younger self. But anyway, that was my that was my first experience with it. And looking back on those years, I just had a bit of a difficult time. My parents had been through quite a bad divorce. Home situation was a little bit tumultuous. You know, I should say that in the broader context, I'm extremely fortunate in so many ways. And all of this happens within broader context of being extremely lucky in many ways and having a, a wonderful family and a wonderful group of friends and so much to be thankful for. But, you know, nonetheless, there were a lot of difficult things happening at that time. And I did fall into a bit of a dark place, to be honest. And I think that manifested in, in a number of ways. But I guess in terms of my behavior, I spent extended periods of time not really going out or not wanting to go out. I would watch a lot of TV. I didn't feel happy, obviously, which is kind of a, a classic. I felt very worried about myself socially um, and just in general would have a kind of a feeling often of like a kind of like a hot stone in your stomach, if that makes sense, yeah. where you have these thoughts and you, you feel like you have this hot stone in your stomach sometimes. It's, um, it's funny how people describe that. I, I've, I've heard it described as having an animal inside you scratching, trying to get out scratching you from the inside uh, yeah uh, it's it's a it's a, a a feeling that you can sort of relate to but people everyone describes it differently i think that's an interesting yeah i just remember the feel i remember it so well but it that that's how i would feel um yeah that i kind of had this hot stone in my stomach and, and it just like it was almost like a realization at times you'd feel like okay and then all of a sudden you don't feel okay again um and then that that for me is is what it was like and it kind of hits you and you have this awakening to a, that you don't feel so great and it's easy yeah. to sort of get so used to that feeling that you yeah. don't know and you just go about your day, but you feel horrible. I think that's exactly right. I think like at that time, looking back at that time, I didn't really appreciate that I wasn't doing so well. Or I, I knew that I perhaps I knew I was I was unhappy, but I had accepted it to a certain degree. And it was only years later when things really did get better, like genuinely maybe 10 years later or eight to 10 years later, when I realized that actually the behavior that I was exhibiting at those times wasn't normal and isn't normal. Like I would do, I remember, you know, having kind of like Netflix spirals, you know, at home where I would do like 48 hours or so of just straight watching TV in the dark and not leaving the house and all driven by feeling like, like really, you know, unwell. And I think all, as for me personally, like I'm quite an extroverted person and I, I, I'm actually quite like talkative and come across quite social. So I don't think anyone ever suspected it of me or ever really questioned my, my state of mental health because of that, which I think is, was an interesting one. How are you now? So now I would say I've been really good for years, to be honest. I moved to, thankfully, I was very fortunate in the sense that I moved to the UK and it was kind of like a bit of a reset for me, to be honest, in terms of like I had been not having such a great time for maybe the ages of 14 to 19. And then my first year at university over here, I was able to just get a little bit of, I guess it was just a bit of a fresh breath of fresh air through my life in terms of I was in a new environment. I was starting to feel better. I was, there was just a, a, few, a bit of separation from a lot of the things that were, were causing pain and also just time passing and I think it was a steady process of of getting better throughout that time. Um, and now I'm doing really well. And I would say I'm as happy and healthy as I've ever been, which is which is obviously great. Um, just one thing I would add is like when I look back on my first year and second year at university, my I remember my like the, one of my like the girls who was on my flat um, floor with me in college. Like we were really good friends. We still are. Nicole, I would like have episodes of not not being so great where I would kind of stay in my room for you know a day or two. And people didn't really realize what it was, right? Like you'd just say, oh, classic, like he's in his room again. 
and I looking back, you know, that was kind of mental health, right? Yeah, totally. And, and yeah. it's something that again, you don't, you never realize. Well, you probably a lot of people don't realize that that's what's going on at the time. So, how's this process of raising money for and doing this amazing physical feat? How's that uh, affected your knowledge of uh, mental health in general, and I guess eating disorders more specifically? Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is affected my knowledge of how common mental ill health really is. Like I was amazed when I, I was really amazed when I started the process of us, of trying to raise money. You know, my initial target was $10,000 and the amount of people who came forward and donated and said, you know, actually I, I had this situation or I suffered with depression or my son or daughter or dad or mom had, had depression or had a certain type of mental health problem. And we're coming forward and wanting to talk to me about it. Um, I think that like, you know, in terms of how did it affect my knowledge? Like the first thing was, yeah, I just became acutely aware of how common it is and how, how still even today, how unspoken so many mental health issues are for so many people. And that was probably the first thing. Um, and then, you know, in terms of my knowledge of, yeah, I don't know if that's common with your other, like you hear that a bit or. Well, the, the, but, you, you had no idea how many other people had been yeah. affected. Yeah. I just think that it's it's amazing how, how many people truly are affected and, and we don't know about it, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it's unspoken. It's it is an it's an interesting thing. I know I I have a lived experience of of suicide. I lost my father to suicide when I was sixteen, and for years I didn't want to tell anyone what happened. I was you know for some reason I had this embarrassment about not wanting to do it, and then I didn't want to you know start telling my kids too much about it. But um, Mm. I've kind of got to the point now where I've just named the son that we've just had after my dad because I he was a wonderful man, a huge hugely positive. Uh, influence on my life and try just yeah. trying to erase him and say that that yeah. you know that he did he wasn't a normal human being who was suffering just like all of us i thought was mm. was a, a ridiculous thing uh, um so no, I I, you know so i can relate to to what you're saying there as well so you know i feel like this is a a, a process that you've started now in learning what's out there yeah, is it exactly. something that is going to carry on with you? Are you going to continue to advocate for uh, mental health into the future? Is that something you've thought about even? I never thought I would be doing any kind of, like, you know, a few years ago, I never thought I'd be doing any kind of adv- advocacy of any kind in, in mental health just because I it never really crossed my mind. But I, this process, you know, of the swim and realizing that you can make, you know, a difference and, and people do care about it and also seeing the generosity of others, I think was quite amazing. And so... I do think that it's not the end for me in terms of like mental health advocacy. I, it's been an amazing process. And I, I also think that like when you care about something personally, you put more into it. And because it's something that I do care about personally and it's an issue, there, these are issues that I have been, you know, personally affected by and really believe in helping. So like I really believe in kind of in the work that you guys, in the work that Butterfly is doing, in the work that Black Dog is doing, in the work that is being done in this space, I want to be involved in it. So, yeah, I think it's probably the beginning for me rather than the end, I hope. And what have you learned through your involvement with Butterfly? I, I've learned a lot about, you know, eating disorders themselves. I've learned that I, I think I've, it's reinforced how important it is as, as an issue. And I think how kind of 
unique everyone's experience is who who kind of you know experiences or lives with an eating disorder i think each experience is incredibly unique i've also learned in like the the value of sharing so uh, it sounds like a bit of a cliche but actually one of the first things i was told <laughs> in the swim process was from somebody who i kind of went to for some advice and it wasn't a close connection but it was someone and they said like you shouldn't you shouldn't do it or they didn't say you shouldn't do this swim. they should they said you shouldn't do it for eating disorders because of it will put too much pressure on Sammy and other people who are, who have eating disorders because you know it can it can be negative and you mounting pressure on people isn't a good thing and I at, at that point I didn't know any better so I thought oh oh wow I'm I've made a big mistake I shouldn't do it and I kind of backtracked quite a lot and then I eventually went and chatted to to Sammy about it and I said like what do you think and she said you should definitely do it like it's a really positive thing um, I really want you to do it you know and for your own reasons as well and so that massively reinforced it for me but what i've learned is that like and i learned this from speaking to kate from butterfly as well the other day like eating disorders i think well you know she said herself they thrive in solid in solitude and in they kind of fester um in solitude and in darkness a little bit and actually coming forward and talking about your experiences either with as a direct a direct experience or a sibling of of, of an, somebody who's had an eating disorder by sharing your stories and normalizing what goes on you really actually help others because it can make people feel that they're not alone and it can also just help people to come forward and say actually you know i also might need help or i'm also not not going through the best time so i think the importance of sharing is super important and not just for for people's own experience for, but for general destigmatization so i think that the more people are aware of the issues the more that um things can be caught early and, and um and i'm I'm so glad that you went to the person with the lived experience to just mm. see whether those feelings and this advice that you were getting from someone else was uh, was true. And so, you know, you went yeah. to the horse's mouth. This is the diversity of thought that we need in everyday yeah. decisions like yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Think. And the person who told me not to do it, right, like they were coming from a good place as well because they, yes. you know, they didn't want to shut it down. They were just genuinely concerned. And so I was, I took that advice genuinely. I was like, oh, God, I'm now really worried. Am I doing the wrong thing? But in the end of the day, we, like, we decided that we would share. And I think that that process has been extremely positive. Um, and I hope that people feel comfortable sharing their own experiences, whether it would be with eating disorders or, or other mental ill health, because I do believe that sharing is kind of the, the route to destigmatization and destigmatization is the route to effective treatment and early intervention. Now, one thing that we absolutely know is that people like yourself who are out there getting people talking and having these stories told, yeah. raising awareness are helping phenomenally. Absolutely. And we need more people like you who are prepared to do something publicly and just get that conversation rolling. Um, how, what, what advice would you have for someone who was thinking about advocating or, you know, doing yeah. some sort of fundraising thing? How, would you, how do you get off the ground? I think that people say, you know, oh, men aren't good at talking about, about this kind of thing. And it's like, I just don't think that that's necessarily good enough because like, well, yes, it's true. Men aren't good about, at talking about mental health. But then again, you have to go further. You have to ask why, because if you don't ask why men aren't good at it, then how do you change it, right? And so in my, like, and my kind of personal view is that there's this kind of maybe subconscious belief that sharing mental health, sharing your own experiences with mental health is like a sign of weakness of some kind, or perhaps people just don't feel comfortable because they don't want to be portrayed in a certain way. And I think that, to be honest, that comes from people worrying that they will appear weak in some kind of strange way. And I have learned that, actually by sharing 
or comfortably sharing your own experiences, it's the complete opposite, right? If you're able to say like, oh yeah, I went through this and I, I suffered in this way and you're just kind of 100% okay with that because you know you've got through it or you know that you will get through it, that's like the ultimate sign of strength, right? I don't Absolutely. think that there's anything Absolutely. weird. So I would say that like to people who are, to, you know, to answer your question, like to people who are wanting to get out there and share their stories and maybe feel that they, they, they shouldn't or they can't, I think it's all about reframing your thinking, like sharing openly and being 100% comfortable with who you are and what you've been through is like the ultimate sign of strength and the ultimate sign of like self-confidence because it doesn't define you, like who, what you've been through or experiences you've had don't define you and being entirely comfortable in who you are is the ultimate sign of strength and everyone goes through things, everyone has hard times and anyone who says they don't, it's full of shit. <laughs> of course. Sorry, I, I don't know if I can swear on the podcast. No, I probably I'm shouldn't. Not, I'll let it through. Um, <laughs> the, the that was the that was a very authentic moment. So I don't apologize for that at all. <laughs> I think this is a pretty good place for us to wrap things up. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? One thing I would definitely add is that, like, looking back on the swim as a like experience, the thing that really sticks with me is like towards the end of the swim, and I was completely exhausted and really just had nothing left what I was thinking about was the experiences that I have had with mental health, not the good ones, right? Like the bad ones, things that the memories that kind of stick in your head for all of the wrong reasons. And I think a lot of us have those. It kind of made me really emotional in that like last stage of the swim, but it also kept me going. And I used those experiences to give myself like whatever tiny amount of energy was left in my body. Right. And I think that, I've thought about that a lot since then. And what I think that means is that you can look at mental ill health experiences and adversities and challenges that you go through in your life as like these things to be ashamed of or things that you wish didn't happen. But equally, like when push comes to shove and you've got nothing like left in a difficult situation, those challenges and those things that you went through are like your biggest source of strength. And I think that there's almost this like sense of gratitude that I personally have looking back on the worst moments of my own life where I genuinely feel like that or those moments made me who I am. And like, I wouldn't change that for the world. And I, I really think that like to anyone who is struggling with their mental health or anyone who's going through a hard time, yes, it's, it's incredibly hard, but when you eventually do get through it, you'll look back on that and actually realize that it's probably like the greatest source of strength that you have and you wouldn't be the person you are today if it wasn't for those experiences that you went through. So that's definitely like something that I, I feel is really important that you need to reframe. I think we all need to reframe our thinking. Mental health challenges are really, really hard, but equally, once you get through them, it can be like a tremendous deep well of strength. If you want to know more about Jack's English Channel Swim, he's written a really great piece about it for the Butterfly website. There's a link in the show notes right now. And remember, help is available for anyone struggling with an eating disorder through the Butterfly Helpline on 1-800-ED-HOPE. That's 1-800-334673. If you think you're at risk or you'd just like to know a little bit more, we strongly encourage you to go and have a look at those Start at butterfly.org.au or go to the direct links which are in the show notes.
If you like this episode of the Butterfly Podcast, you might want to write a review, leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. We would really appreciate it. And remember, as always, please share it with a friend. I'm Sam Iken. The Butterfly Podcast is an Iken Media production for Butterfly Foundation. <laughs>